You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Conference Room, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Appreciate you all joining us alongside Mike Chappell and Joe Hopkins. I'm Dave Griffiths. The Colts enter week four looking for their first win of the season, traveling to South Beach, Miami, to take on the Dolphins. We'll preview the matchup by with uh, providing an injury update. We'll have keys to the game. We'll make some predictions. Talk about some familiar faces or one in particular familiar face that will be uh, on the other side of the field as the Colts meet the Finns this weekend. But we start with the news in Horseshoe headquarters this week, and there certainly is some, quite notably, running back Marlon Mack has asked the team for a trade. And uh, the team, the franchise, appears to be exploring that possibility right now. Um, Marlon Mack has recovered from his Achilles injury last year. He came out in the Colts' second game this year, but did not see any snaps in the first game and was actually inactive this past week, a healthy scratch, in their third game. Chat Mack is only 25 years old. He has Which, it's amazing. It is. I know. We were just talking about that uh, at, at headquarters today. This is his fifth year in the NFL, and he's 25 years old. You wouldn't think that he would be quite that young, but at the same time, 25 for many running backs is considered, quote-unquote, old man territory. So from Marlon's perspective, he wants to get out there, he wants to play, and he wants to be able to use his talents while they are still, while he is still a capable NFL running back. Yeah, this is one where it's, it's business. I mean, everybody talks about loyalty and doing what's best for the team and all this, but th- this is one that makes sense for both sides. You know, barring injury, you know, <laughs> knock on wood, he's not going to see the playing field. He just isn't because you've got Taylor and you've got Hines and, and Jordan Wilkins. So it's going to be best for both sides if they can find something, you know, a sixth-round pick, a seventh-round pick, and let him go elsewhere and, and restart his career. It, it's not going to be more than a sixth-round pick. Let, let's just throw that out there right away. NFL teams aren't trading valuable picks for uh, for running backs in the league. You think that you can snag one in, in the draft. Like Marlon himself five years ago was a fourth-round pick that the Colts were able to get and get a 900-yard season and nine touchdowns out of him. They get a 1,000-yard season and eight touchdowns out of him the next year, 2018, 2019. So, uh, Joe, I know that you're Jonathan Taylor's biggest cheerleader on, on that side of the table over there, but at the same time, um, Marlon Mack, uh, your thoughts on, uh, on this development this week that he is uh, going to be seeking a trade, well, the Colts in particular are going to be seeking a trade and getting some return value out of him. I think it makes sense. I was kind of surprised that he re-signed with Indianapolis in the first place for this reason, um, and that may have had more to do with he wanted to continue his rehab with uh, the same training staff just to get healthy again, but... Yeah, I can't blame the guy. If you're a healthy scratch, you're 25 years old, you're trying to get paid while you can. And, um, you know, this one-year contract he's on, we talked about, well, maybe he comes back, he shows he's healthy, he shows he's the same player and he gets paid elsewhere. He's not getting that opportunity right now. So I don't know what the Colts are going to be able to get for him, especially now that other teams know that they're trying to trade him. I think maybe the most likely scenario is he just ends up being cut and then signs somewhere and works his way up the ranks for another team. Um, Baltimore comes to mind, San Francisco with all the running back injuries. I think that would actually be a wonderful fit. I've seen, you, I've seen Miami. Possibly Miami, Atlanta. After I mean, this week. After, Miami. Yeah, Monday, after. <laughs> Sunday night. Um, you know, Atlanta's got Cordero Patterson as kind of one of their main guys in the backfield, so maybe they add a Marlon Mack there. But I just, you know, getting anything more than a six-round pick, you're right, Dave, would be a little optimistic. 
it's it's kind of weird, chat. That yeah, I mean, the two of the teams that we mentioned, Miami, you mentioned, and and Baltimore, Joe mentioned. I'm about to sneeze, so excuse me if that happens. But that's eh, better. Uh, Joe, you might want to cut that out. <laughs> that's disgusting. But uh, anyway, um, it, it's kind of funny that the um, that the two teams that we mentioned there, the the Ravens and the Dolphins are two of the next teams on the Colts schedule. So, it, it, I mean, if the Colts are trading him to someone, you don't you don't necessarily want to trade him at this time. If it's going to be to one of those two teams that are definitely running back hungry right now, I'd say especially the Ravens, because they're a team that has really high hopes this year. They think that they're a playoff team. They think that they can win a division. I don't know if the Dolphins are there right now uh, with uh, the Bills up there for sure in the AFC East. But uh, but those are it, it, it just it produ- produces a, a weird situation if you're the Colts. And those are two teams that are interested in your guy right now, isn't it? Yeah. And one thing was you talk about weird situations. We got our access today. We talked to Marvin Mack and he was really good. And then following up was Jonathan Taylor, which is really the reason that Marvin Mack is available. He, he and Naheem Hines. But it was very clear, and we talked to Ryan Kelly prior, and, and he's been here for the Marlon Mack time and, and, and the better times. And th- this is not a trade that that both sides normally would want. I mean, because th- he likes it here, they like him and all that, but it just shows you the business and how things change. And it, it's crazy how we went through a stretch three or four years ago where running backs were getting stupid money. I mean the girlies and all this, yep. and and then even when the, Ezekiel Elliott, mm-hmm. Devontae Freeman even was in that right. group back there, and, and then McCaffrey gets it, and now he's hurt. So it it kind of reaffirms to where teams, unless you're just a special special running back, you're not going to get you you shouldn't get that kind of money. And teams are look teams think they can recycle replace. And, you know, we'll see in three or four years what the Colts think of um, Jonathan Taylor. But with Marlon Mack, it's, it, it, if he's back to where he was, maybe, he's, maybe he doesn't have that burst yet. We talked to Eric Fisher, and he said that he was told on Achilles that it takes, you know, that last 10% to quick twitch, the burst is the last thing you get. I didn't think we saw that for Marlon in preseason. I thought he was a little bit hesitant, which I, I understand. But before the injury, he was a top 10, top 12 running back on the, on the bottom end of it, but certainly a quality running back. And I, I hope it happens. I hope he gets a chance to do something. And for the Colts, again, getting a six or seven, I mean, it's just you, you take what you can get. Mm-hmm. Would, they, would they just cut him? I'm torn because it's a guaranteed contract, and do you need the roster spot? And then do you really just – if you do that, you simply want him to have a chance to go elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing you have to worry about, if you just cut him, if the, what, I think the trading deadline is November 2nd, I think it is. Got about a month to get it done, right. yeah. So, you know, m- maybe they just cut him, but, boy, the the, the time you do that, then, then Taylor or Hines comes up with something, and then, then, then you're stuck. So – but the bottom line is, I hope it happens. He needs a fresh start that he sort of we knew he wouldn't get here. I kind of agree with Joe that this was kind of a great place to just finish your rehab. And he got a guaranteed $2 million to do it. 
but it, it, it's time for both sides to, to part ways. And we mentioned Jonathan Taylor is the primary reason that Mac is now going to be looking elsewhere, but you can't discount Naheem Hines as well. And the Colts have paid Naheem Hines this last offseason. He's going to be around for a while. And Joe, for a guy who's averaging, I think, six and a half yards per touch this year, he has the explosive, he had more of an explosive aspect to his game that either Taylor or or Mac have, and he's a guy that we, we keep asking, hey, can you get Naheem Hines more touches? Can you get him more touches? Well, again, if you have Marlon Mack there on the backfield and he's active and you want him to play, then you're taking touches away from Naheem Hines at the same time. So it's just as much the Colts want to get Naheem Hines the ball more consistently as they do Jonathan Taylor is their number one guy from here on out. And Hines's improvement uh, on the ground has a lot to do with that. I remember last year his yards per carry is basically every metric you could think of rushing the football not even thinking about catching it, but just rushing it. Hines greatly improved in that area, and that seems to have carried over at least as best it can behind this offensive line this year. So, you know, obviously Naheem Hines is a superior pass catcher, but his ability to also produce in the running game made Marlon Mack more expendable. And Hines also returns punts, too, and he's been a pretty good punt returner when he gets even a, a little bit of space. So we'll throw that out there for uh, for what Hines can provide to the team as well. well and if depth really becomes an issue, if, if, if there's a trade, Jordan Wilkins is overqualified to be a number four. Mm-hmm. I he's, agree. He's really a, really a good guy to have there. And uh, every time they've needed him, he stepped in, and he, I think his career average is – Four eight or four nine. He'd be half the teams in the league's number two. I would right. think. Mm-hmm. So so it, it it's it is a, a luxury of, of of wealth there, and it's just it just makes too much sense not to get something. But it, it does take two, two to make a trade, and I, I've never I've never like from the Colts' point of view with draft picks, if all it takes is a six or a seven to get a potentially a quality player, do it. What's a six or a seven? Mm-hmm. I agree. Let's take a look at some more news from the Colts headquarters this week. Sam Ellinger, quarterback, came off. uh, Well, he's not off of injured reserve, technically. He's been designated to return by the Colts from injured reserve. So, Chap, what that does, what that means is there's now a 21-day window that the Colts have to activate him. to. He he can practice. Right. Right. So he can go out there. He can practice, which he has this week. You see Sam out there. And from what I remember, the video that we had yesterday here in-house, I don't think he was even wearing a brace on his knee. He's out there and two... Two steady legs, you know, uh, taking snaps, backing up, throwing the ball. So certainly I think a good sign to see that uh, he'll be healthier and probably on the active roster sooner rather than later. But they'll probably use the entire 21 days because there's no need to activate him to the roster if you still have the quarterbacks that you have above him right now. That, that I know that opens up another can of worms. Un- unless, <laughs> unless you think he is a more viable backup than Brett Hundley. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and and can we rule that out? No. No. I'm done predicting. Uh, it's it's it, this is one of those where I, I don't want to say they've mis mishandled it. There's got to be a better description of it, but it's clear. It's clear it's going to take two injuries for Jacob Eason to get on the field. Mm-hmm. I mean, in not not injuries because Carson Wentz has the, the ankles, but it's going to take something catastrophic. So I'm not going to be the least bit surprised that when Ellinger's out there and, and he's activated, if we see the the depth chart change again. But then you have to wonder, since we can go down this rabbit hole since it's our show, will you carry four quarterbacks on the active roster? You can't. Sakes alive, man. I mean, <laughs> I mean, right now Hundley Hundley stays on the practice squad, which he is now, and then they they protect him on a Tuesday and then they elevate him on a Saturday, but. What do you do with four quarterbacks? I, this isn't training camp. 
So I, I, I want to see how this goes. I, they, they did see what they liked with Ellinger in training camp, which some of that is he, he did things better than, than Easton did. I would love to get in, in a go to a bar one night with Ballard or Frank and just have a couple of beers and say, okay, what's up? between you and me? What's up? What is there with Easton that you, you say you see progress yet your, your backup now is a guy that was on his couch in July, barely got on the field in training camp or preseason. And now he's your number two. Uh, I don't think we're ever going to get the, the straight answer on what's going on there. And his starting experience, Huntley's, is four years ago in the NFL, too. This isn't like he came in and started two or three games last year, and he has something fresh in his mind. I mean, I know some, there's, some, there's certainly some that hangs around there, but this is, not, this is not recent starting experience for Brett Huntley. That's one thing Frank was asked the other day about that. He said, well, he was experienced. And, he, and he, Fr- Frank had the numbers ready to go. He said he's led two fourth-quarter comebacks, but it was in 2017. And he's thrown 11 passes in the last three years. So I understand the experience, but at some point when it's that long ago, it carries that much weight over a guy that has what you, what you say. And what we've seen is pretty good raw ability. Now, it's, it's raw, and he's really not done much, I don't think, to harness it. But what, whatever argument they make and whatever we see, it's not an endorsement of Jacob Eason. It, it, it just isn't. What gets frustrating for people who are outside of the building and probably people inside the building as well, I can't speak for them because I'm outside, so I'll speak for people out here. What gets frustrating is when the head coach comes out after training camp, after preseason, and says, Jacob Eason has earned the backup job. That, that's a direct quote from Frank Reich. Jacob Eason has earned the backup job. And now, three weeks later, all of a sudden, he says, Brett Huntley has earned the backup job. Like, what? It's, it's, it's baffling to me that through three weeks of game prep, this isn't really three weeks of training camp and really diving into yourselves. This is three weeks of practicing for an opponent that Jacob Eason could somehow have taken steps backward in this instance to let Brett Huntley, and Brett Huntley has had enough time to take steps forward while Carson Wentz has been your primary quarterback. I know he hasn't practiced this last week, obviously, because of his injury, but, but what time has there been for Frank Reich to have seen Brett Hundley make all these significant steps forward to be the backup, or has seen Jacob Eason take significant steps backward that he no longer has earned this backup role. Joe, it's just a puzzling scenario, I think, that many Colts fans are trying to wrap their heads around, and I am too. I I don't get it. I, I think it, point blank, the point is, if Carson Wentz can't go, the Colts are screwed. It, 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 what it says is none of these are viable options, or at least Eason or Hundley. Or at least the coaching staff feels that way if Eason and Hunley ended up being that close. Maybe the only thing I can think of is it has something to do with the how the offensive line is performing because Jacob Eason, um, one of it, maybe his biggest weakness is his lack of mobility and ability to move around. So maybe the coaching part of the coaching staff's lack of confidence in Eason is their lack of confidence in their pass protection. But then to that point, I don't know why you throw Carson Wentz with two gimpy ankles out there behind that pass protection. So I really don't get it Um, unless Sam Ellinger can come in and just show that uh, he's the guy they've been waiting on. I think the Colts backup quarterback position, whoever it is, Hunley, Eason, it's just not in good shape. If 
if Ellinger is ever promoted to a backup quarterback role this year, then Eason is definitely done in Indianapolis. I'll throw that out there right now. And even right now, I would say I'm probably 90% sure that his future in the NFL, if he has one, is not going to be here in the Circle City with a horseshoe on his helmet. And, and again, this will be a case of, again, a fourth-round pick not making it. It's not like this was a first-round pick, so I don't want to overplay that, although it's easy to overplay it because they put so much stock in him. You know, he, he, was, the re- he was the reason that they didn't go out in the offseason and get a veteran. Yep. I, I remember talking when we talked to Chris after the draft. It was, well, no, we, we, we want to see what he can do. We want to give him a chance to grow. And then if we need to get a veteran, that's, that's something we can consider later. So and it's by their actions that, that they've treated him more than a fourth-round pick. But at some point, you, you can't be paralyzed by a draft pick, certainly not a fourth-round draft pick. They, they've, they've cut fourth-round draft picks very quickly. Yeah, but mm-hmm. Bannon a couple of years ago didn't even make the team after being selected in the right. fourth round. Yep. So I, I can't think it's the draft capital that's doing it for him. TJ Carey placed on injured reserve this week. Colts have elevated cornerback Anthony Chesley to the 53-man roster. So those are a few uh, news and notes uh, about the roster at the bottom. And since that really takes us to the end of the roster moves right now, it's a note that Frank Reich says T.Y. Hilton is not quite ready to come off of injured reserve yet. And what's notable is if we'll circle back to our discussion on Sam Ellinger, that might mean that T.Y. Hilton is not ready to come back for three weeks. And like it's not like he can come back now and start practice and then you have three weeks to activate him, the Colts think that he's not going to be able to play probably three weeks from now, if, if this is the case, Chap, if they're not designated to return yet so he can at least get back to practice and be in, in any kind of a limited role. So uh, you want him to be back. You want him to be practicing with Carson Wentz if he's out there and trying to rekindle what they found a little bit during training camp. So I'd imagine they want him to come back. They would like him to be in practice a little bit. I don't think he needs three full weeks of practice to be ready for sure. But nevertheless... For Frank Reich saying that T.Y. Hilton's not ready to come off injured reserve is a note that this is still going to be a while because he has to practice a little bit too before he is able to play. Yeah, because that's one thing about IR is you, you don't practice. When you're on IR, you, you can't practice. So you're, you're right. And it is, it's very, very unlikely that, let's say, next next week's funky with the uh, Monday game, but you, you activate him or designate him to return next week that's still going to be probably another week. So you're right. Whenever he's designated, it'll, it'll be another week. So you're talking two weeks from that time. Uh, and, and we'll see. And for, for Frank to say he's making good progress, I like what I see. That Well, that's one thing. But until you activate him, and this is just another in a long line, and that's, we can get to this injury list shortly, but Braden Smith is going to miss a third game. I, I've always wondered if – then why didn't why not why didn't IR put him on IR? Yeah, you know, two weeks ago, all that tells me is is it's it's not responded like they hoped, and and you know they 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 hoped he would be back in two two weeks three weeks at the most this week at the soonest, or at the latest. So th- this is this this is just a mess. And you mentioned T.J. Carey being out, Rocky Seen's not practicing, right? So all of a sudden your corner situation's dire. You almost thankfully. It's the Dolphins and Jacoby Brissett, but you still need to cover guys. So th- this is not a good situation to head to, head to Florida. Mike, I wanted to ask you, you said with T.Y. being designated and be two weeks since he came back, is that like a rule? Or could could he technically come back the yes. same week that he's designated? You can come back. And, you can. You, you can come back as soon as, as, soon as your, your okay. three weeks are up. So they can do it whenever. It's just I would think you would want to pr- – I got to practice. And we don't, we don't know how much – 
they, they do with the trainer and rehab staff. I mean, quite a bit, I'm sure, but it's not the same as not practicing. So for him to be designated next week, hypothetically, and in practice Thursday, Friday, Saturday, maybe that's enough for him. I think Being that a, it, I think it, it could be it could be enough. But uh, again, I, I kind of thought we all thought that maybe he'd be back as soon as the three weeks was up on IR, but not the case. Yeah, and thank you for clarifying that, Joe. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I just thought that they'd want to get him back as soon as possible to have a week or two of practice. To the be three week, the, the three weeks gives you a buffer to get right. a guy back. And, and Ellinger's probably a guy that would need a couple of weeks, Absolutely. probably. But yeah. a veteran like Ty, I mean, shoot, go back to two thousand. Was it nineteen? 18, 18, 18, when he had the 18, ankle. Yeah. And he didn't, he basically didn't practice in December. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was still pretty good. Clown so, mask. <laughs> clown clown, <laughs> clown <laughs> mask. And now we're getting clowned by the backup quarterback. So it's always something with these guys. But no, it's interesting how we do this. But these, with this 0 3 start, and you look at the injuries, it's just, it's, I just wonder how they pull themselves out of it. I'm not giving them excuses, but there's reasons. I, I, it's these injuries at the start of the season is really debilitating to the team. I feel like every year there's a team that's just killed by injuries. Last year it was the 49ers. It, it was mm-hmm. like all of their significant players. This year it feels like the Colts. It just um, everyone basically, but knock on wood, DeForest Buckner uh, has been banged up for the Colts so far this year. He and Grover Stewart. Grover, for the most part, has been healthy, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You get Kenny Moore back there. He's the uh, in the secondary. Kenny, yeah. 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 We, it's easier to pick out the players who mm-hmm. haven't been nicked yeah, up correct. so That's far. True. That's true. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll turn our attention then to the Colts' injury report as we leave the discussion on injured reserve and T.Y. Hilton, saying that now T.Y. Hilton, the Colts are 1-13 without T.Y., when he does not suit up for them since he was drafted in Twitter's trying to fight you every time you say that, too. Who is? Twitter. Oh, some people are they, <laughs> like, yeah, like, it has nothing to do with it. Like, I'm not saying he has everything to do with it, guys. I'm just saying <laughs> it's a crazy stat. And there's there's their winning percentage without Andrew Luck during his time was b- greater than their winning percentage without T.Y. Hilton. It's a crazy stat. It's an insane stat. And I will keep saying it <laughs> until they prove that it's not that it means nothing. Exactly. Maybe they went three in a row without T.Y. And then I'll probably stop saying it. But it matters. It absolutely matters. Now we go to the Colts injury report. Wednesday's practice report was long, and that's a kind way of putting it. Did not practice on Wednesday. Quentin Nelson with an ankle and knee injury. We'll get to him in a bit. Tackle Braden Smith with his foot injury, still out. Tight end Jack Doyle, back injury. Linebacker Darius Leonard, his ankle injury. He will likely play this weekend. Let's just be direct, and so will Jack, I think. Quiddy Pay, hamstring? Don't know. Kari Willis with an ankle and groin. Cornerback Rocky Seen with an ankle. Defensive tackle Antoine Woods with a back injury. Those are all players who missed last week. All of them starters. How many are those? Quentin, Braden, Jack, Darius, Quiddy, Kari, Rock. And Antoine is not a starter. So that's seven starters who were out due to injury. Seven out of 44, if you just look at directly, twenty seven out of 22, excuse me, if you look at offense and defense, pardon me. That's one-third of your starting unit is uh, not practicing on Wednesday. And that, that is, I mean, like, like Joe said, you, could, you can be completely ravaged with injuries from team, teams from time to time. They can be minor injuries and you can come back, or they could be major injuries that last a long time. But right now, Mike, this is, this is a Colts team that is, that is very much, I think, reeling 
with injuries is a, is a fair way to put it. Do you disagree with me? No, no, I don't. And it's it's you're talking 22 starters, but we're, we're talking some of the some some of the catalysts. I mean, Quiddy Page here is it has got to be your pass rush guy, and, and Willis at at the back, and and Braden Smith, right tackle Quentin. At, you know, we're, we're talking and, and uh, Carson Wentz. We're talking major players. And you're tapping into your depth, which everyone has issues with depth. Oh yeah, you you just no no one's got a you know solid backups everywhere. So uh, again, it's just difficult. And, and Ryan Kelly is not healthy. He's not his elbow. Maybe he'll get there soon. Uh, Eric Fisher, we talked to him today, and he said he was pretty pleased how he played the first week, and not so much last week. And I and I agree with him. There there were some issues. So, uh, and he said again that how that the last thing to come back was that burst, that ten percent twitch. Uh, hopefully, I, I'm I'm still encouraged by him, but now you're going to have Chris Reed playing left left guard, Julian Davenport at right tackle. I, I assume again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's it's, and again Carson Wentz. We can talk a little bit more about how he said he's way better than he was last week. Well, a week ago Monday he couldn't walk. Yeah, so, he barely so, could on Wednesday when so, he came and chatted with so, us. So he's way better. Okay, that's just getting around, you know, taking the trash out. Right. Let alone playing NFL football. So, I think he will be more mobile. Uh, but again, that's Philip Rivers would be more mobile than, than what Wentz was last week, and it's just it's just the perfect storm. And again, we we can't turn this into what was them. This is why they're zero three. Well, it's it, it's a part of a reason, but they're not playing well either. They're not making plays. I mean, Zach Pascal's healthy, and he dropped a ball at the at the, at the goal line last week, and, and Wentz overthrows Michael Pittman, which may have been partially responsible for the uh, with the ankles. But the secondary, the, the pass defense, they've given up nine touchdowns, and the, the opposing quarterbacks have a I think it's a is a one nineteen passer rating against these guys. It ain't good. I know that's that Hall much. of Fame stuff. Yeah. So it's it's yes they're hurt, and yes they're not playing well. Limited in participation on Wednesday. Also Carson Wentz with both of his ankles. Running back Jonathan Taylor with a knee injury. Guard Mark Lewinsky with a knee injury as well. Uh, you can check us out on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone for updates from Thursday's injury report when it comes out. We're kind of in the middle of practice right now as we tape this podcast. Also follow Mike Chapel at mchapel fifty one. You can follow Joe Hopkins at Rotor Street Joe. I'm at Dave G underscore Sports. I said we get back to Quentin Nelson a little bit, Joe. And with his ankle and knee, Coach Frank Reich said earlier this week, it's probably not looking good for him to go. And we heard he's probably not going to travel with the team down to Florida. So, yeah, like like Mike said, it's going to be Chris Reed there at guard. And when you lose a guard, uh, we, we've, we've discussed many times the uh, the uh, total impact a guard can truly have on an offense. But if, uh, if anyone has more impact than others, Quentin Nelson would be the guy who kind of sets the tone for the entire offensive line. He chases down whoever the runner is with the ball to be the first there to pick him up. It's more than just actual blocking the guy in front of you that Quinton gives to this offense. It is an attitude that, to be frank, the Colts offense has been lacking at times this year. That has not been ideal with running the ball, with mauling opponents, and without the guy to lead them there on it, I, I can't imagine that it gets better down in Miami. Yeah, someone's going to have to step up with Quinton yeah. coming out. I think that guy's got to be Ryan Kelly. Uh, he, he's got to be the leader for this team on the offensive line with Quinton out. and. It, it, Quinton's been the only offensive lineman to play well for the Colts this year, basically, just to be blunt about it. So this is very unfortunate. It's going to end his 
what, 54 games starting streak since entering the league. And there's been a few times where, you know, with the concussion and whatnot, it didn't look like it was going to continue, but he toughed it out and got back on the field. So uh, I, I guess there's probably a small chance he could still do that this week, maybe a 10% chance, but it's looking very unlikely. Um, so the Colts are going to have to find other ways to get it done. I, I don't think the Colts – they want to be this team who can just line up, drive you off the ball, and run the ball. And I don't think they're going to be able to do that against every team in the league. Maybe against Miami, they don't have the best front in the NFL. But they're going to have to get back to winning games by running the ball, and they're going to have to find some creative ways to do that because their best two playmakers are still Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines. They're not pushing people off the ball, and they're not giving their quarterback any protection right now. So if teams come up, and they like they did, like the Titans did last week, to their credit, Uh, Did a lot of movement at the line of scrimmage, brought guys up close to the line of scrimmage, forced the Colts to pass the ball. If you go up there, and and this is is something that that is certainly, you can at least ask the question, if there's nine guys in the box, at what point do you say, let's just run it anyway and see what happens? Well, you're not running well with seven or eight guys in the box all the time either. So what makes you think that nine, you would do any better? So you check out of runs, you go to passes, but you've got to be able to hit them over the top. You've got to be able to hit some passes down the field to ease up that defense. Pittman has to make a catch. Pascal has to make that catch, like you mentioned, Chap, in the uh, at at the goal line. And Pittman's Pittman was, was early in the game. Yes, it, it, it was. It, it was a third. Was it? Oh, it would have converted. It would have converted. So yeah. until you show that you can throw the ball down the field, like you said, teams are gonna they're gonna crowd the line. And there was a lot of criticism towards Frank and Marcus Brady about the play calling, about not calling more runs. I'm convinced that they called them, and yep. like you said, Carson checked out of it because all he sees is. Titans. As he rightly should do. He probably He's, saw like 12, 13, 14 Titans up there. 14. And he said, we're not going to run into that. Uh, I remember Peyton Manning always used to say, you know, you're not trying to get into the perfect play. You're trying to get out of a, out of a bad play. Yeah. So, uh, but if you're going to do that, you have got to be better than, what was he, 19 of 37? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and as much as we get on Jacoby Brissett for his yards per attempt, uh, Wentz's was, was off of was 5.2 in that included two long passes in the fourth quarter so it's just it's it's a chicken or the egg do you need to run the ball better to help your pass game or pass game to help your run game and to me right now it's you've got to throw the ball to help Mm -hmm. your run game you have to do what the defense is giving you first correct and then you can do what uh what they after they change their defense you do what they're like that that's the answer and you're right it is a chicken or an egg thing and like if both of them help the other one out. You run the ball better, you can pass it better. If you pass the ball better, you can run it better. But it always it always comes down to what the defense is showing you and what the defense is giving you. And the Colts have not been able to do that this year. They've not been able to take advantage of what opposing defenses. And this is obviously at times they have. I'm talking an overarching thing to be 0-3 on the year, have been unable to, to take advantage of that. When you look at how injured the Colts are, uh, it's a stark contrast with the Dolphins. Look over at their injury report. Only had one player who did not practice on Wednesday. That was Will Fuller, who Colts fans should be familiar with, former wide receiver of the Houston Texans, now down there in Miami. But he did return to practice on Thursday. Uh, Limited in participation Wednesday were Jerome Baker with a hamstring and center Michael Dieter with a uh, foot injury or quad injury. So... um, Dolphins pretty healthy overall, except obviously their starting quarterback, too. A tongue of Iloa is uh, on the sidelines with his injury, and that means Jacoby Brissett is the Dolphins' starting quarterback as the Colts travel to South Beach, taking on the one and two Dolphins this weekend. Dolphins lost to the Raiders in overtime last week. The Raiders, by the way, 3-0 and Raiders, so taking a team that's undefeated through three games. Raiders have won a few by the skin of their teeth, and we're not going to lie there, but they're still 3-0. and 
and the Dolphins took them right to the limit. Had to kick a field goal at the very end of overtime to, to come away with a win. Uh, the Dolphins were shut out the prior week, though, 35-zip to Buffalo. Buffalo, a really good team. And that's when Tua got knocked out and Jacoby had to come in. So, I mean, if, if you want to use the term, give them a little bit of grace for that one, you can. And also the fact that Buffalo is, looks head and shoulders to be the best team in the AFC East as well. Um, but, but that brings us to Jacoby Brissett uh, starting. With seven quarters under his belt for the Dolphins, Brissett has completed 63% of his passes for 384 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. And Mike, you bring up his yards per attempt. He's averaging 4.3 yards per attempt over there for uh, the Dolphins. And that is, that is a paltry, paltry sum. That's, that's even lower than it was here in Indianapolis. I think the stat something last week was Jalen Waddell had something like 12 receptions for 60 yards. 52 yards. 52 yards. <laughs> that, is, that is not what you expect out of 12 receptions from a wide receiver. So, so again, I've always thought when, when, they, when you face somebody like Brissett or when Brissett quarterback for the Colts, Defensively, don't you don't you just have to press the receivers? Don't give them the the four point three. Right. So it, will you be able to do that with with the personnel you've got? But to me, you have to. His biggest threat probably will be that he is tough to bring down because he's so darn big, and he will with his with his lack of speed still can do enough to extend plays and to extend drives. And heaven help him if they get fourth and one because. Ah. He's going to pick it up. Convert it. He'll convert it. Chalk it up. So, yeah. again, it, it, to me, the, 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 the good thing about Brissett is you simply know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. You know, to think he's going to come out there and go 20 for 25 for 350, it ain't going to happen unless you just totally lay down on defense. So I, I think it is a plus for this defense. And it, to, to me, this is a game finally where if the defense, they keep talking about we're not up to our standards and it's communication, it's whatever – if you're getting, if you come out of this game getting torched again, then, then it's on you, mm-hmm. because okay, the first week you know Russell Wilson and, and Tyler Lockett, and then and then Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup, and then even Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry. I mean, those those are quality players. Mm-hmm. Not so much with Miami, and, and if you can't come out of this game with really, I'd almost say dominating their offense then what's up on defense? Jacoby Brissett, I think a lot of Colts fans would kill to have him back in the building right now as a backup quarterback. I think you could... Maybe kill to have him as a strong word. I was talking in the press room, and knowing what you saw from Wentz last week and expecting 20% better, would you take Brissett over Wentz this week? I might take him over Wentz this week. See, I I joke that the, the, the best quarterback on the field Sunday might be Frank Reich. (laughs) <laughs> so, and, and, and we're, we're exaggerating, obviously. Right, yes. It, we are joking, people. That's but but w- with, with as, as limited still as Wentz probably will be, it, to me it's not a slam dunk that, that you would take Wentz over Brissett. It's just not. And, and here we are. We've been trashing Brissett. But, but if, knowing what his limitations and, and how Frank was able to maximize the, the, the limitations or, or, or his, his strengths and stay away mm-hmm. from the limitations. But again, I go back to the same thing. If you're, if this defense doesn't hold up well, and if the Dolphins go out there and score 30, then, you know, we have issues here. Big on, issues, yeah. Big issues on defense. Also add 
Jacoby Brissett looked a lot better with the offensive line that was performing a lot better in Indi- sure. during his time in yeah. Indianapolis. I think I'd still go Carson Wentz on that one, but I get the point that That's you guys fine. are making because yeah. an injured Carson Wentz takes away his arguably best asset, right. which is to scramble around, it's buy extending plays, correct. Yeah. And that is that's one thing. And I, I think I've always said this. I, I think uh, on this podcast, I've said before that I'm not Jacoby Brissett's biggest fan. I'll be direct with that. But I've always said that he does something very, he does something elite, and that is moving around in the pocket. That is shaking off defenders. That is staying in the pocket to extend plays. Like Carson Wentz can escape the pocket and extend plays. Jacoby can stay in the pocket and extend plays as well as just, just about mo- anybody. He just moved around he, he, in his those subtle movements. Very fluid there. And, and there are very few backup quarterbacks in the NFL that do anything at an elite level. Jacoby Brissett is one of those quarterbacks that has some elite characteristics. They're not crazy elite characteristics, and that's why he's not a starting quarterback in the league. But he does some things very, very well. Absolutely. I just wanted to throw that out there about Jacoby right now. And also, the, also the, there's been stuff out there on Twitter, well, well, then the Colts should have kept Jacoby. That was really never an option. No, it wasn't. From, from either side. You know, may, maybe the Colts would have re-signed him, maybe. But Brissett was never going to come back here to be the backup to whomever it was going to be. Right. And, and when it was Wednesday, there was not a chance. So so that, that really is, is a non-starter because that was not going to happen. He, he wanted to go someplace that he had a better chance, and he knew there was zero chance barring injury here. Miami's offense has struggled this year with either Tua or Jacoby under center. Third fewest points in the NFL, 15 per game. Fourth fewest yards with 268 per game. And as a reference, the Colts are averaging 50 yards more than the Dolphins per game, all the way up at 318. And you know that the Colts offense hasn't been all that spectacular this year either. Um, The Dolphins have allowed 10 sacks. In their three games, that's the third most in the league. Uh, the Dolphins' defense ranks in the bottom 10 in both points allowed, 27 yards allowed, 400. Um, they don't sack the quarterback that much, just about the same amount as the Colts. The exact same amount as the Colts, in fact. Only five sacks through three games. They've taken the ball away five times uh, as well, which is which is better than average, to be fair to them. They have some elite talent on defense, like Xavier Howard, Joe. But uh, overall, the uh, Miami offense and defense, they don't have a lot of big-time playmakers on the edges that really catch your eye. No, they, I mean, they, they they got the playmakers and Will Fuller and Jalen Waddell, but they haven't quite put it together with the quarter. The connection's not there with the quarterback, and that's going to be tough when your starting quarterback gets injured. I think if Tua was healthy for this game, we might not be quite as optimistic as we are. Um, but, yeah, Miami just – their offense hasn't put it together, and their defense hasn't quite looked – up to par as you know the same level it was performing at last year. It was year a good either. defense last year. Yeah. People don't really get that was how the Dolphins got to ten and six last year. They had a great defense as Tua was coming along and kind of developing in his rookie season. Yeah, their defense held it together, and then Tua, for all the slack he got last year, he did he wasn't necessarily a turnover machine. So when you pair that with a solid defense, that's going to help you win a lot of close and low scoring games. Let's get to the keys to the game as the Colts take on the Dolphins. 1 p.m. kickoff broadcast in Central Indiana on CBS4 this Sunday. Joe says, number one, finish drives in the end zone. That would be ideal, as the Colts have just four trips to the end zone on 11 uh, drives in the red zone this year. Four of 11, less than half, just about a third. Uh, Six of the Colts' 11 red zone trips also have been first and goal situations. I'd be eager to see what the stat is around the NFL about first and goal and scoring a, a touchdown. So uh, this has been, uh, this has been Mike, a, a problem that has been 
very much noted more than once this year. Obviously, it started week one, and uh, then series problems week two with uh, the turnovers inside the five-yard line. But uh, just a um, an instance has become a bit of a trend through three games that uh, you want to nip. Uh, maybe you couldn't nip it in the bud since it's already three games in, but you want to cut it off as cut off the head as soon as possible. Well, the first and goals they had two first and goals. Yep. In Nashville. Yep. That and they got and they got two field goals. And and again, I I thought that game was so winnable. Uh, it, it, Tennessee just refused. What was it? Fourteen to ten to half, and it felt yep. like a two possession game. They weren't that impressive. No. So so they Rivers they just, would have won that game. You think so? I think so. I think so too. Uh, so it's it's it, it's so simple, you know, red zone, third down, and all this. But until you do it. Uh, and we can argue: is it play calling, or is it is it perform? Is it players? And to me, it's players. It, it, you always want whenever it doesn't work, you call something else. Was it first and goal to one against? Uh, was it the Rams? Yeah, yeah the, the, was it the first series? And you run, run, run. Then there was a sack. Yeah. So you know, call something else. Yes, but you you can't get a yard with Johnson Taylor on three times. Really, I mean, th- that that's players. It just is. So, uh, you know, you maybe call uh, plays differently, but until they get this red zone goal to go fixed, it's going to be tough. This team simply is not good enough, certainly in the way it's banged up, to leave points on the, on the field like this. You know what I really liked last week? I liked, I think it might have been a fourth down situation, but where they put Jonathan Taylor at fullback and Naheem Hines as the halfback. Yep. Get your two both best players or offensive skill players on the field at the same time. And then are they going to turn around and give it to Taylor up the middle, pitch it to Hines, who's got the speed to take the corner? Like, I want to see a little more creativity with those two running backs. It's an interesting possession. I mean, it's an interesting play. I know the one you're talking about. It was a fourth down conversion, if I remember. And they converted, too. I think they got like six yards. Yeah. JT Jonathan Taylor had two fourth and ones for six yards each one. There you go. I, like to see that, um, which brings us to number two, establish the run. Miami has allowed the sixth most rushing yards in the league, 136 per game. What's the easiest way, like we were saying earlier, to make sure your quarterback is safe and has some time to throw? Run the ball 30 times. Run the ball and get the defense on their heels. So, yeah, get Jonathan Taylor the ball. Get Naheem Hines the ball. I'd imagine Marlon Max can be a healthy Marlon scratch Mack. this week. I, as much as I love my guy, Marlon, and I'm going to miss him when he's gone. But uh, get those two the ball and make them work for their paycheck this week. And, and I think what, what they're going to need to do, because a lot of times where, boy, you, the other team, de- de- their, their run defense is bad, is if the game allows it, stick with it. You may have some empty, empty possessions where, where it just doesn't work, but stick with it. I can, so many games in the past where doesn't work, doesn't work, and then Boyd gets going. And any great running back or any offensive line is going to say, let us – let us work on this and get some rhythm, especially a running back. You know, what ha- What did uh, JT have? Was it 16 carries last week? It's 10 carries. 10, 10 for 64. Yeah. 10, 10 carries is not enough. It, you know, give him his 20 carries, and maybe that's 130 yards. Well, especially when he's running like that. And, right. I mean, bo- both Taylor and Hines, all they need is one to take it to the house. Right. Uh, they- well, Derek Henry last week, 28 for 113. And they did a. I thought they did a pretty good job on him. They they really did. But the twenty eight carries is what gets you. Right. He wears your rear end down. And great backs, if you give them twenty carries, they're going to get two or three where they just gash it because they're that good. Well, even still, they kept him without a twenty yard run. So I thought right. that was a 
chat I think success. He, I think he had three runs of like 10, 11, and 19 he or something like that. He had one of 19. Right. But that's that, that's Derrick Henry. And, and if you hold him to whatever that – you can figure it out, 4.3 or whatever it was. And that's why they were in position to win. Correct. Um, if you win the running game, it seems like, even in that in that instance, you, you also win the field position battle. And if you win the field position battle against the Dolphins – I think that goes a long way in winning this game because you don't think I don't think Jacoby Brissett can drive on you over a sixty-minute game multiple times. And if multiple he does, times. shame on you. Exactly. Yeah. If if totally. If he does, shame on your defense completely. If he beats your defense deep, shame on you. Especially a defense that should be very familiar with Jacoby Brissett and his tendencies. Entirely. Completely. Pass protection. Joe's third key to the game must improve. Per Pro Football Focus. The Colts quarterback pressure percentage is the highest in the NFL as quarterbacks are pressured on 47.5% of uh, their dropbacks, of Carson Wentz's dropbacks, and I guess Jacob Eason, the few snaps that he took. That's half. It is. <laughs> Through three games in 2020, Phillip Rivers was only pressured on 17.9% of his dropbacks for comparison, the lowest percentage. A guy who couldn't move. And Yeah, he couldn't move at all. To, to be fair, okay, let, let's. I, I, I want to break this down a little bit because there are obviously some some intricacies to this stat. Philip Rivers got the ball out super quick. And with Carson Wentz, there is more of a design for him to hold the ball longer in the first couple games of the season, especially. Maybe not as much this last week, but more so earlier in the season. Because as we've said many times, that's one of his strengths, to be able to hold the ball, to evade some pressure, to make plays downfield, which really hasn't happened yet. I, I get that. But that's part of the reason why. Um, there have been... There was another pro football focus stat that I saw this week, and I actually tweeted about it. Hang on, I want to bring it up exactly because I, I don't want to get it wrong. Um, so, so give me a minute here as I as I access my Twitter. It was about uh, the percentage of plays that a quarterback, um, like the percentage of pressure pressures that a quarterback is responsible for. Yeah, Joe's, right got, Joe's got it on here. Two Joe's percent. got it. Two percent. Where is it? Oh, okay, yeah, it line. is there. I wasn't even looking for it on the rundown. Thank <laughs> you, Joe. Two percent of these fall at yes. Carson Wentz's. Yes. Feet. So all these, all these pressures, you see, you're reading my mind, Joe, and I just got to have faith in you and look forward on That's the rundown right. instead of trying to dig up my Twitter Trust all the time. Trust the rundown. Yes, I should. Trust the rundown. <laughs> Trust the process. Um, Carson Wentz is only responsible for 2% of his pressures, according to Pro Football Focus, and that is the lowest, the lowest in the NFL among 34 qualifying quarterbacks. And there are great things the Pro Football Focus is great at and things they're not that great at. Now, I say that all the time, but... Maybe Wentz is responsible for more if you account for times that he should have changed the okay, lineup here and there. Okay, exactly, 5%, exactly. 5%. That, that's what I'm saying. That's exactly my point. Like, even if you want to throw in qualifiers here, the number is still very, very low that Carson Wentz is responsible for. The problem is the offensive line. The problem is the protection. The problem isn't the quarterback. And here's something that I want to throw out there with Carson Wentz that I want people to stop saying. This is me on my soapbox. People are like, well, when you look at the list of things that are wrong with the Colts, Carson Wentz is pretty low on that list for their own three start. Carson Wentz is not on that list for things that are wrong with the Colts that have led to their three, own three start. Like, he's not on the list. The problems are entirely elsewhere. Has he been great? No, he hasn't been great. We don't know if he's the answer, long-term no, answer. We, no, can't, we, we can't know. I'm not saying that he is the long-term answer. I'm not saying he's not the long-term answer. But what I am saying is if you are coming out after three games and saying the Colts are 0-3, I told you Carson Wentz was not the answer, you are completely showing your hand and showing how biased you were against this guy in the first place. And he's, you're allowed to have that opinion. He's not been given a fair chance to show. But there is nothing you can look at through these first three games at what Carson Wentz has done to point at and say, 
That is why he's not the answer in the future, because he has not been the problem. He's not been a problem. He's had a couple interceptions. That's he's had every one. quarterback he's has had, He's had one on the shovel pass yes. at the goal line. Which That's it. Funky one. It was a right. funky play. You can say he might not have been it, shouldn't have thrown the ball. He was looking elsewhere, reading the line the other lineman as he break break to the outside. Didn't look at Aaron Donald, which is what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to look somewhere else. Anyway, like this is just this is what I've been arguing with people on Twitter uh, recently about over the past week or so. Like it just it blows my mind that people can look at this game, these games that have happened and say, this is why Carson Wentz shouldn't be the Colts quarterback. It's absolutely asinine. You can have the opinion that he's not their guy of the future. That I get that. And you can maybe have he's reasons, not, but you just... But it's not from these games. You right. can't have evidence from these games. You can't do it. That's my point. I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's some same people would say that the, the reason is his ankles right there, the injury prone. I would say 47% pressure rate. The offensive line didn't give him a chance to have healthy ankles. No, they haven't. This is, I go back to where, you know, Andrew Luck was, was I don't say injury prone early on, but he got hurt because, because of the way he played. The lacerated kidney was a football play against Denver. He's trying to score. And that's what this was with where the ankles got hurt was, the line, you know, failed him, and, he, and he's trying to roll that out of the way. That wasn't his fault. No. And then you, you get rolled up on by by Aaron Donald. This this wasn't an injury-prone quarterback. This is a quarterback who got injured. And, again, it, it, this is going to sound like we're making excuses. We're not. We're just saying, let's let it play out. And, and, and these are the facts of why they are where they are, and it's not because of Carson Wentz. Last thing on Wentz, the co- we're going to have another, what, three-fourths of a season plus a whole other season based on Wentz's contract right. to figure that out. Anyway, right. he'll be the Colts quarterback He's their quarterback year. next year. Yeah. yeah, he just is. Last key from Joe, fourth one for this game against the Dolphins. Stop the run. The Colts were a great rushing defense last year. This year they've given up 140 yards per game. That's the fifth most in the NFL. Uh, Miami has the 10th fewest rushing yards per game in the league. They're only averaging 93 per game. So it's not exactly one of their strengths. Again, if... If they beat you on the run, as Mike has said a couple times in this podcast, shame on you. Um, but it's a good thing to stop the run and kind of put the ball in Jacoby Brissett's hands. He's the guy that you're familiar with. He's obviously in a different scheme right now than he was when he was running against your defense with either a scout team or as the starter uh, throughout his time here in Indianapolis. But you know his tendencies. You know his strengths. This is a situation where Matt Eberflus and the defense should have control this weekend. There's no excuse. And none of these things are rocket science. This is all just taking care of your business. You're right. Correct. Yeah, it's not we need to do something special. They, no. they, I went back and looked, and they've been, the, since Flus has been here, they've been, like, it's the fifth best run defense in the league. Mm-hmm. It's like 97 yards a game. And, and this year, it's one thing that's hurt them with, is two rushing quarterbacks, running quarterbacks with Wilson and well, Tannehill had three three scrambles. He had like 50-some yards. For 58 yards. Uh, two of them were on bootlegs, yep. which, I mean, you didn't know that he was going to bootleg it. I mean, that's what he does. Backside defensive end. When I see them crashing down, man, I, and I see the quarterback boot out, I just, I, I like throw my heads, hands up in the air. I'm like, dear God, again, you got to be kidding me. So, and, and all those yards count. They, they just do. You can't yep. say, well, we're pretty good except for, you know, except for, you know, Chris Carson going 33. We did a good job on against Seattle. But again, th- this is not a this is not a quarterback who's going to gash you for fifty. Now, Jacoby Brissett can get out and get you 10, 15 yards on occasion because he does have some kind of elusiveness. But I just I keep going back and uh, so many times we saw him kind of get in the open and he just doesn't have 
that type of speed to hurt you. He just doesn't. Ten fifteen might be a little generous. Say yes, <laughs> but but again, this is again this is one where everything is set up for this defense to come in after the game and say, "So you guys doubt us, huh?" Now what do you got to say? Well, yeah. we're not doubting you this week. And it, 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 oh, yeah. let's just say it happens, and they, the Colts win. The defense plays well. They're, they're going to say, "See, you guys have been dogging us." Now what do you say? Well, I say you guys stuck for three weeks. Yeah. Good. You, I hope they use whatever motivation they need mm-hmm. to get their swagger back. I'll say, talk to me after you face Lamar Jackson next week, and then we'll see who's. Right. Uh, we'll see what, what's what's what. And, and again, one thing we did say, and it is accurate, that they faced three pretty good teams to start the season. Absolutely. As far as as far as talent wise, playoff now, teams last year. Right. So, but having said that, then then you've got to play at a playoff level. Too, and you did you did not raise your game to that level. Let's get to our predictions for this game as the Colts travel to Miami to take on the Dolphins. FanDuel has the Dolphins favored, one and a half points. A little bit of a home advantage there. Over-under is uh, not too high, set at 42 and a half. Doesn't anticipate things being a very high-scoring game down there in Miami. It's actually the second lowest line. Uh, New Orleans and the Giants is the lowest, 41 and a half points per game. And I'm sure they're expecting the Saints to take most of the points. Exactly. I'd imagine so. Saints might be a six-point favorite in that game. You <laughs> Remember know? week one when they just went bonkers on Green Bay? Boy, that feels like such a long time Five ago. Five touchdowns by James the Winston. Hall of Famer, James Winston. <laughs> Jay Boo, my guy. Not really my guy. Just the guy that I covered in college back then at that one time. So um, I'll start off with predictions this week. Uh, we'll go then Joe and then Chap to wrap things up. I, I think the Colts win this game. I have to think the Colts win this game uh, for, for reasons that I've outlined, for uh, their knowledge of Jacoby Brissett. Uh, Matt Eberflus in the defense should have no excuse. I do think Quiddy Pay is going to be back with his from his hamstring injury. He didn't practice on, on Wednesday, and I don't know if he practiced today as we're wrapping things up. Um, I don't know. Let's have Chap go next, and Joe, you can look up too. You can see if there's any, um, any reference while, um, uh, while, while we're doing this. So... Uh, anyway, I, I think that the Colts do are able to finally get some pressure on a quarterback. It's not a dangerous offense that you're facing or a dangerous, particularly dangerous quarterback. Miami has struggled this year offensively and defensively. They did take the Raiders to the limit last week. The Raiders certainly did not look their best out of all those uh, out of the games they have played so far. So uh, I'll chalk that one up to I think the Raiders struggling more than uh, Miami finding something last week. At least that's my opinion of it. I could be wrong, but I, I, I'll take the Colts. But I don't think it's going to be high scoring again. I think a twenty to thirteen ball game, a twenty to sixteen ball game, is uh, is what we're in the in the works for as the Colts come away from Miami with the victory. Jonathan Taylor does get over one hundred yards for the first time this year as the Colts get their first win of the year. Chap, what do you think? Uh, real Joe? quick on Quiddy Pay, Joel Erickson tweeted roughly an hour ago, Quiddy Pay and Rocky Center are out there, but right. it doesn't look like they're practicing. All right, so no practice for Rock and Quiddy. Chap? I wrote down 2016 before you start talking. There we go. Before before you start talking. Maybe I saw it over there out of the corner yeah, of my eye. It was. Yeah. So I'm taking the under, and I'm taking the Colts uh, only because if you can't get off the schneid here, when, I mean, really, uh, not and, next week at Baltimore. You don't know. So, so I'm, I'm really it. more picking Miami to lose than the Colts to win. And if Colts Nation takes offense to that, too bad. Uh, I, I just think that this the, the Colts still can do enough. And and as we said, if they can't, then then, then we're in for a long season. And before long, we're going to have a entire podcast on. When do you sit down, Carson Wentz, to keep your first-round pick? We're almost there on Monday. Yes, we are. Um, I'm going to take the Colts as well. I think a healthy Colts team 
dominates this Dolphins squad. I think the Colts just have a better roster than the Dolphins, and injuries kind of muddle that a little bit, which is why, uh, you know, FanDuel has um, their odds set at what they are. But I'm going to go with the Colts 24-17. to 17. Uh, I agree with you, Dave. I think Jonathan Taylor is going to have that breakout game that fantasy managers and Colts fans have been waiting for for three weeks now. Um, Naheem Hines is going to play well, and I think Carson Wentz is going to show the improvement that he's been talking about with his ankles out there. It is unanimous. The Colts' blue zone crew thinks the Colts come away with a win. Well, we'll see next week. We will see next week as the Colts (laughs) try to get off the schneid for 2021 down in South Beach. We do appreciate you listening to us. You can follow us on Twitter for Colts news and notes throughout the week at Colts Blue Zone. Be sure to subscribe if you're not already here to the Colts Blue Zone podcast and get your podcast delivered to you exactly when it drops, usually on Thursday afternoons and then also on Monday afternoons throughout the season. So for Joe Hopkins and Mike Chappell, I'm Dave Griffiths. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next time.